kissfm.com.au. What's up, Melbourne? Welcome back to another episode of Open Deck. We're doing the top 10 DJs of Melbourne while we count down to episode 100. And for tonight's top DJ, we've got the man with the mustache, the king of the party shirts, and probably one of the nicest DJs in the scene. It's Mr. Eric Sidey joining me in the studio. I'm super keen to have him on and have a little bit of a chat about his journey a little bit later on. But I'm just going to smash off, kick off with the first half hour with bangers, and I have to start off with the King Will Sparks. It is new one, blow your mind. Let's go.
trance to change it up this week. I'm loving the new sound that's coming out. But that last one was an old school chicane in the Ollie James remix. Absolutely love that tune. But we're going to go to a quick ad break and we got Eric Sidey in the studio. So stick around for that. Be back in a minute. fm.com.au Dance Music Australia. All right, we are live back in the studio with the top DJ of the week, Mr. Eric Sidey. How's it going, man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. I know we've been trying to G this up for a little while, so I'm really stoked you, I could actually get you on for once. Um, let's just talk a little bit about your journey, man, because I know you've been in the scene for a little while. You've sort of grown up in Melbourne. You've sort of been around um, everywhere. So, man, how, how long have you been DJing for? What got you started? Um, yeah, it's sort of a funny story. Um, I got into DJing when I was like 15, 16. Basically, just grew up playing instruments. Um, unfortunately, uh, none of my friends did. Oh, okay. So the, um, the dreams of um, having a band and the sort of stuff like that um, sort of fell pretty flat pretty quickly. Um, but I um, found out that I didn't necessarily need a whole band to make tunes. I could download a program on my computer and <laughs> throw stuff together there. And that's what I did and realized, geez, I'm going to try and make tunes. Um, I may as well try and play them somehow. And that's how I got into DJing. So I was like 15 then and I'm old now. I'm 27. So yep. nearly half my life was spent, you know, behind a pair of decks somewhere. What were you, um, what was your instrument, bro? Um, played guitar pretty flat out that was the big one and i've you know fiddled with a couple other things but even to this day um playing guitar is probably um probably my second favorite thing to do yeah. before jumping onto these bad boys over here do you reckon that taught you and sort of helped you with like when it comes to your production and everything like the theory behind it and all that 100 percent. i think understanding even just not just the theory and not needing to have like a real theoretical knowledge but just knowing sort of like the intervals between notes, what notes work well together, um, chord progressions, knowing from other similar tunes, like tracks, like how they work and trying to use similar things to structure. And I think initially that's what probably, probably um, maybe set me apart in some senses is that I wasn't using other dance tracks as reference tracks for production. Hmm. I was listening to like a Parkway Drive song and being oh, like, how wow. retool this into... Um, things like that. So, um, yeah, but yeah, guitar, really, really massive for me. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, it's completely different. And I mean, that, did it sort of help give you like an ear for music? Do you think, do you think it sort of helped when it comes to that? Um, I, I, I like to think so. Mm. Um, I've tried to, you know, throw guitar into a lot of my productions as well. Um, because it's just, you know, a sound I love and a sound I've grown up, you know, sort of being around. Um, and yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's made a massive difference for me. Like, if I didn't play guitar, then I probably wouldn't be DJing. Yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. that's a cool startup, man. Not many people actually say that they start out with that. Usually, it's just, yeah, I started DJing and then I wanted to produce. <laughs> like, that's yeah, usually well, the story. You know, like, it's it's more interesting than if I just said I wanted to pick up chicks and I was having a <laughs> life, so I, I tried to DJ instead. That doesn't work either, <laughs> though. <laughs> I've got a pretty awesome girlfriend who I wouldn't have met without DJing either. So oh, really? You met her at the scene? That's awesome. Yeah, that's no, great. Pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Um, I want 
to talk like about sort of like how you got started and like you, what sort of got you your big first sort of break in the scene? Because you've been doing this for a while now. I mean, you, you signed to Lucky as well, which is probably one of the biggest, you know, agencies in Melbourne. How did that happen? Like, how did you get that first sort of big break? Um, yeah, I think I just put a lot of focus into trying to get good, solid, like local gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made a massive difference for me. At the time at Orange Whip, um, a couple of guys, um, Jimmy and Gretch, um, we're running the show there and they um, put a lot of you know faith into me and a few other mates and they let us run the side room there so essentially we got to put like, put acts on in there which basically meant we just put ourselves on all the time <laughs> and playing like local gigs you got to play stuff that you know people they're not people going out to the city they're not necessarily going out just to go to nightclub and they want to go out and party with their friends so we were trying to play heavy sorts of tunes but with a bit of a um, you know, a bit of a, maybe a commercial edge or something that would, you know, keep the locals out listening to it too. Mm-hmm. So I think doing that and doing it regularly um, was massive for me. And then um, Lucky would often run events at Orange Whip. So Jimmy and Gretch there would always, you know, put in a good word for me, talk to those guys, you know, push me really hard with those guys. So, you know, eventually um, I guess the stars kind of aligned, but I think I have a lot to thank to those guys locally in Ringwood, just giving me a massive push and putting a lot of faith in me. That's awesome, man. Like that's that's awesome that it's sort of that's what got your first gig or your first sort of startup. But when did when you actually got signed to Lucky? Was it like a big like ticket item to get finally like get ticked that off? Yeah, man, it was sick. Like it was it was a massive thing, and I think you know you know you look at like oh geez, Will Sparks and Orchestrated and Joel Fletcher and all these like awesome acts who you just you listen to from when you're in like in high school, and mm. these guys are signed to it. And then I got signed to it, and I was like, oh, I was you know so so excited, and I think. You know, I probably made the mistake, especially being young, sort of thinking that, okay, I've been signed. It's like I've done the hard work and now I'm going to sort of reap the benefits of that. Mm. But I think um, I quickly learned that that was more so just the beginning and that, that's when uh. I really had to start working hard because, you know, as soon as you stop working hard, you know, it, it all becomes a bit of a mute point. And I think I took my foot off the pedal a little bit. Okay. And I think I learned, you know, I've learned from that now that, you know, if you're not necessarily releasing tunes, you've got to be putting out mixes. If you're not putting out mixes, there's got to be some sort of content. If you're not doing that, you've got to be trying to play these sets. And I think I um, foolishly thought being signed meant that... Um, that was it. Yeah, that now, now, now it was time to get paid a whole lot of money and everything would be great. <laughs> I quickly found out that um, it just meant that I had to work a whole lot harder and I probably just got my foot in the door rather than being maybe as far along track as I thought I so, had been. So, yeah, it's sort of like people now expect a lot more from you now that you're signed for to, to Lucky sort of thing. So, yeah. Probably a little bit, but I'm just it's an awesome, you know, group of people. It's an awesome, you know, organisation. Great show that they run down there and yeah, I'm very, huge. very lucky to be a part of it. Um, Not many people can get that opportunity to be in the same sort of um, entertainment agency as bloody Will Sparks, man. That's huge. Yeah, it was super cool. Super, yeah. super cool. Um, just move a little bit because I've got the camera and I want to make sure that it's facing so we yeah, can get the interview. But yeah, just come oh, over sorry, a little mate. bit. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'll really get nah, it, I just want to make sure we got some good content going on after this. But let's just get back to it, man. Like, I want to talk about your production because I know that you're really talented at the studio, man. You've got um, that fear and loathing, which I think I've heard like at every nightclub since I've been in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> that's like a huge staple in, in the Melbourne underground scene. I know that hit number one on the B-Port. But is there any, like, has there been any other bigger releases or anything that sort of like helped elevate you or was that like your number one sort of big track or i don't know man it's 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 a funny thing it's like you know 
there were big, big, big tracks for different in different ways, maybe. Mm. Like, so that track was massive for me in establishing me maybe as more of a maybe more of a serious act and someone who could chart high like on Beatport and get support from some other big acts and things like that. Um, but you know, that was a, it was a collaboration with Fabrication. Um, that runs pretty well. Um, <laughs> and fortunately, he was just an absolute weapon producer. Like he had started the track. And he made so much of what it was cool about it. And I could sort of just come in and sort of pull some things out, restrain a few things and bang, we had a track done. But mm. I was very fortunate to work with someone who was so talented who could actually, you know, Guide you I could sort of bit. just jump on his back and finish this tune with him. Oh, you probably played it down a little bit uh, there. And I reckon you probably had a bit more to do with it. But, but, but <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was really cool. But that was awesome in that sense. But then, you know, I, had, uh, I made this remix of this track, Leave the Lights On. Oh yeah, I've got the yeah, I've, I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I listened to that track now, and it sucks. But at the time, <laughs> it was like it was like people thought it was pretty cool. And that song really did a lot to sort of push me. And then, you know, it's sort of like I did like that chicken soup remix, yeah. and that song got popular on TikTok a bit. And that was like a whole different thing again. So I feel like it's so every couple of years I've been able to put out like one song, which has kept me relevant enough. Yeah. And hopefully I can put out another song sometime in the next few months to make sure I'm relevant for the next like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually, it's a good point. I think you sort of touched on it before, but yeah, like different songs are big in different things. Like TikTok, it, it took off. And then maybe on Beatport, the other one took off. It's like yeah. different different areas and different so releases for, for different things. For whatever the next big thing is, hopefully I can just do like one good thing and it can carry me for another couple of years <laughs> and I can put my feet up. <laughs> that, that'd be really good yeah but is there any sort of releases anything that's coming out that you can talk about or what um look it's it's a it's a tough one like i've got a couple sort of more so sort of like bootleggy tracks of a couple songs i've been working on which is a bit more sort of house orientated um i'll probably play them later on um when i jump on but one of them is that a remix of that relax my eyes song yeah this is like super popular everyone's like loving that original it is yeah but I think they're just taking down like every single remix on SoundCloud. Like I think they're <laughs> no. just like watching it like under like a magnifying glass. So I'm pretty nervous to even put it up. And then another one is um like a remix of Backstreet Freestyle from Kendrick Lamar. Oh, just because okay. so it's um, a like R and B remix, yeah. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. And then otherwise, I just got a, like a ton of tunes that I'm working on. Um, basically, just wanted to start sending the demos out to labels to sort of get that feedback and get the ball rolling there. Yeah. Um, but um, you know it's. Basically, my, my plan in that sense is have a bunch of really good tracks sorted, ready to release coming into like summer. Yeah. So it's winter now. It's cold. No one cares. It's it's too cold to enjoy music. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking well, in that sense. Europe, man, I'm, joking, I'm Europe, joking in that sense. Summer, summertime in Europe, man. Yeah. You could be playing overseas. <laughs> well, the, the, um, if I can get them out for summer here, hopefully they do well, and then that pushes into summer there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just lots of tunes I'm working on. Um, so and, watch this space, this yeah, sort of thing. Pretty much. Has there been any inspiration, any sort of DJ that you've looked up to as an artist that's sort of helped you get to where you are today? Like, I know a lot of DJs come here and say Will Sparks, right? Everyone, he's sort of like a staple in Melbourne, but is there anyone that you look up to? Um, look, I think it's it's hard in that sense. It's probably even similar to how I was talking before that, you know, I didn't really get into this music necessarily through um, starting off wanting to DJ. It was through another instrument and then mm. I found my love through it later on. And I'd always had... Um, so like my mum was probably a massive inspiration in herself because when I was young growing up, it was we probably didn't have, you know, it's not like we'd have the Beatles on the radio. Mm. It's not like we'd have the Rolling Stones on the radio. She'd have like a Ministry of Sound CD. Yeah. She'd have like the annual of 2009. Yeah. So that's where I probably got a lot of it from. So a lot of my inspiration probably comes from my mum in that sense because I had that sort of 
music's just always on and around. Mm. And then when it comes to, I guess, like production, it's, I don't necessarily have a handful of people who I'm just like, oh, geez, I obsess over this person. It was like, like yeah, like your orchestrators, people like that mm. in a localized sense. But then I think probably like Chris Lake. Yeah, wow. probably like someone who I've listened to, like basically everything they put out and I'll just like fine tooth comb. Want to listen that's, to all of it? That's interesting like, for for a dance music DJ that you you sort of get inspired from. Oh no, Chris Lake is yeah, he's housey yeah. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even then, like um, like Skrillex, yeah, um, like Diplo, heaps of stuff like that. And then even probably in a broader sense, it's people who I've listened to from a production sense for longer, like a Kanye West. You have like yeah, all R&B that old artists. school production from like the Neptunes, things like that. I would you know obsess over and. I try to implement little bits and pieces of their techniques into my songs, probably very poorly because they're just like <laughs> dons. But um, yeah, it's like I don't so know, just, a, a, just wide, a widespread bit from um, each different artist, sort of thing, loving different things from different people for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, and I want to talk about your gigs, man. You're busy. Uh, you're always playing out everywhere, but there's obviously just some. There's going to be some standout gigs in your career, and one of them that I'm really jealous of. And we uh, and I saw you play play it live, and I was like, man, I, I would love to be up there to have that opportunity. That was at Sparks Mania at 2022. Yeah, last year, man, that was incredible, and it was a great set, man. But like, what was it like to sort of support Will Sparks? It, it was it was super cool. It was really really cool, and I felt like super super fortunate. And I'd been lucky enough to play on you know the same lineup as him like a bunch of times. Oh really? Playing. So that wasn't the first time. No, I played oh. I played before him a handful of times, which is always sick because you're sort of ramping up the crowd a little bit, mm. not going too hard, but like building up the vibe. Played Archer a bunch of times, which is usually a lot harder because everyone's watched Will and they're like, I don't care about this oh. mustache party shirt wearing <laughs> loser. We watched Will. Let's go somewhere else now. Um, so then you got the challenge of trying to keep everyone sort of involved. Um, but yeah, it was super sick. It was like just like playing at the forum, mm. a venue I'd been to to watch other acts like a hundred times. Like one of my favorite venues, yeah, it's, like it's on the great. planet. And being able to get up there and be on the stage, we had to go back to the green room, look at all the artists who's got their names on the walls and things like that. It was a pretty special moment. Um, and obviously, supporting Will was like massive and it was like such a great opportunity and I was very fortunate that the lucky guys put me on but I think even just bigger than that like the history of a venue like that and getting to be playing on that stage hmm. was just um, yeah really really special that's awesome man has there been I, I know you, you, the other one that I really that I thought was awesome was you got to do the the Tramp Mercy um, the Book of Society which was like what, what was that like because you got to create the, curate the whole thing you know that the Tramp Mercy is sort of iconic in Melbourne not many people will even get a chance to play there but you actually got to run your own night man like how, how did that go um yeah it was <laughs> It was super, super cool. Like, it was one of those um, things where it was a little bit like you sort of pinch yourself because, you know, I, ne- I never really look at myself as like a like a big DJ in Melbourne. Like, and I think that's probably, I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. I'm, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think like, buddy, the Uber driver home does more for you. He gets you home safely. I'm just playing some songs. Yeah, but people right. treat you pretty, pretty cool about it. And... I was really, really fortunate that I got to do something like that and be the, you know, front and centre of um, a morning of a place where it it was was just such a big deal, I guess, to do so. And getting to pick, you know, a handful of artists who I really respect, really appreciate, have done a lot for me one way or another. Mm. And then also a handful of artists who I just 
thought were sort of underrated or super, super, like, important to the scene, even without people maybe necessarily appreciating or understanding why and how mm. um, and trying to give them a bit of a, a, I guess, a spotlighted moment through it. I love how you sort of help it bring other people up as well, man, because I respect that because, yeah, there's there's a lot of talent out there and sometimes people just don't get that opportunity. So Yeah, for sure. That's that's good. Um, and what do, what do you sort of think about Mercy and stuff now that unfortunately it's gone after 16 years? That was probably like a big part of your career, wasn't it? Oh, man, it was massive. Like, I think... There's like a handful of things I can really like, um, really like distill some of my probably more successful time in the scene too. And I think um, getting to play there regularly was like a massive, massive part of that. And there's a lot of people I have to, you know, thank for um, being able to do that. Mm. But in the same token, it's just, you know, it had a really good run and I had a longer run than a lot of clubs and events do. And, you know, all the big events, all the clubs which, you know, fill out and packed every week, people say while they're going, oh, this will never end. But things transition out and things move on and it's sort of that sort of circle of life thing. That wraps up so that people involved can pursue new things. Yep. New people can come on board, try something new, and through that, something new can start. Someone new gets an opportunity and it sort of just continues. So I don't look at it um, with anything other than, um, you know, hopeful optimism in knowing that all the people who are involved in it are going to continue to smash things wherever they are and all the people who are getting involved are picking up a really special place and getting to put their own sort of fingerprints on a on a really great opportunity. I love that positivity, man. It's it's sort of like just making room for the next big thing, I guess, isn't it? That's it, 100%. Um, all right, well, look, uh, uh, with you, with how much DJing you do and how many gigs you do, man, like you got a full, we were talking a little bit offline about this before, but you got a full-time job as well. Yeah. Like how do you, and you produce as well, man. Like how do you find time to, to fit all of this in and be, you know, Eric Sidey plus your normal day job? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 well, look, I, um, I, I want to live in a house. Um, so, um, as great as DJing is, um, it's not necessarily the most consistent of wages and I think it. Um, it's really handy to have a full-time job, so it, yeah. it assists me in um, yeah, not being homeless, which I, I love. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, you, look, you find time for things you love regardless. And, you know, I'm still pretty young. I still, you know, have a relatively limited amount of, like, serious responsibilities. So I can find time and create time to do things I enjoy, like DJing, producing tunes. And, like, sometimes things, you know, you have to, yeah, they've got to go, like, I played footy since I can, like, remember... Are you this still is, doing that? This is the first year I've stopped playing footy. Because uh, I was like, I need more time to work on music. I need more time to focus on these things. Um, I'm surprised so you kept that up for as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, sometimes, it's something, something I had to give. But it's, um, I do miss, you know, playing footy and um, the bloke comes up next to me and says, oh, where are you playing tonight? <laughs> it's something you wouldn't usually get. <laughs> All right, man. Look, I'm going to ask you just a couple of random questions before we get into the music, yeah, man. Um, oh, what is probably the year, what is the most biggest DJ fail that you've ever had? Has there ever been like a time where you've stuffed up? Oh, um, <laughs> hey, yeah, all the time. <laughs> you, you, you just throw a bunch of echo effects on it and try and make it sound like you meant to do it. Um, now, probably one of the biggest ones was I was um, playing it um, Lucky on like a Thursday and this was back before they had Bunker. They had what was Jane's Bar in that little side room oh, yeah. and it was sick, cool ass vibe. Um but there's bloody cables everywhere. And I, I don't think this is all my fault, but I just finished DJing and Keish was jumping on to play after me. And for people who know, Keish was like 
a massive, massive DJ. Like, she was super cool. She was, like, one of the coolest DJs around. Everyone thought she was sick. She had all these mixes that were awesome. And um, she was jumping on to play after me. And that was when even one of those little pinch myself, like, oh, cool, yeah. I'm playing before Quiche. And she was super nice, super cool. She jumps in, plugs in her USB. I take my headphones out. I'm like, great. I didn't unplug her USB. I didn't hit the Q button. I didn't stuff up anything. I'm in the clear. I go to step out of the decks and I trip over a cable, <laughs> which I don't, I don't know who was on like this on the safety sort of side <laughs> of things, but I think every bloody plug in the entire room must have been running through this like power board because like lights are turning off, the decks turned off, the mix are <laughs> turned off. Everyone's wondering like what's going on she was stressing out thinking look she looks back she's going to jump on a dj all the music stopped everything's just gone crap and i had to try and casually not make it look like i had done that <laughs> Shit. um so yeah that, that was that was terribly embarrassing and um i don't know if she knows that i'd actually kick that kayla she probably didn't was just being polite <laughs> um, well now she knows <laughs> yeah if, if if you're listening keish um yeah, sorry about that. That's my bad. <laughs> That's actually pretty hectic. You, you nearly blew out the whole club. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm probably just about to hit you. <laughs> Love it. Um, what advice would you give an upcoming DJ, somebody that wants to break into the scene? What What's the one piece of advice you think you've learnt over the years? Um, mate, just, just be nice to everyone. Like, you know... That you, there's no point burning bridges. There's no point being that cool guy with that super cool controversial opinion just to go out there. Like, honestly, you know, just be nice, make friends with people, go to venues, have a few drinks, go to a bunch of venues and find the venue that you like. Yeah. Don't go, do you know, I'm going to have a drink at every club in Melbourne. I'm going to try and get a gig at every club in Melbourne. Go to a bunch of clubs, see which one you fit in with, become part of that crew, be nice to everyone. And eventually, you don't have to be that good. People just give you gigs because they think you're pretty cool and they think you're a fun guy to be around. And that worked well enough for me. And, you know, that's the advice I would give. Like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to be the world's greatest DJ or producer or this and that. Like, people will give you a shot if you seem like a good guy. Yeah, just genuine and support the scene, eh? Yeah. All right. Um, I've got a couple of viewer questions that I had to promise that I'm going to ask because they, they sent them through. Um, what does the future of society in terms of future in music and releases, what, what do you think the future entails? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more sort of house orientated. Mm. It's what I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think I've sort of just been sticking with what keeps uh, food on the table, I guess, and <laughs> the heavy and minimal stuff. And there's always going to be a, a place in my heart for it. But the music I've enjoyed for a pretty significant period of time and been wanting to play out and do has just been that housey stuff. Every time I've had a chance to play house sets, I've just loved it. So I think that's the direction that a lot of my stuff will be going in. Um, yeah, like that's just you know the, where where I'm headed at the moment. Interesting. Yeah, I know it's it's good to evolve, man, and just evolve your sound. And you know, people are changing. That like we talked a little bit offline, like minimal sort of dying a little bit, and it's changing into something else. So. Who knows what the next big thing is, but that's awesome, man. At least you found your, your passion a little bit more in-house and seeing where that goes. Um, what's your favorite song to close out with on a closing set? Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, fuck. Oh, geez. I <laughs> it's said, a hard you know, question. I, I swore and I, I, I told that's myself... That's all right. No, no, a lot no, worse no, no, has no, no, happened. No, no, no. I told lot. myself I wouldn't because like one other time I did something similar to this and I didn't realize like I swore through the whole thing and I had like my whole family watching it. They're like, oh, wow, you swore a lot. And I was like, you know, I'm going to actually focus okay. to be on my best behavior with this one. You're doing um, pretty well. <laughs> there's, I actually can't remember the name of the song, which is frustrating, but yeah. one of my favorite songs to close with, 
and I used to when I would play like the 10 a.m. till close at Mercy. Like when I first started playing there, I'd always get chucked on like the closing yeah. set. I would always play. It's that Axel remix or Axel edit. And it goes. That big progressive house track. I know it. Like, do you know what? People will will cry hearing that big melody at like twelve o'clock. It's probably all the caps they've had. But it's um that's probably my favorite closing. No, I love it. That's actually an anthem. So yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. All right, how many party shirts do you own? It's like 150. No easy, way. Easy. Legitimately. Like, I, I, I reckon that's. I reckon. Um, I reckon. I'm underselling it. It's easy. 150. I reckon. I rotate through like 20 or 30 that I really like at any given period of time. Mm. But the backlog is um is extensive. <laughs> do you, so you do sometimes wear the same shirt twice? Oh man, 100. percent Like you know, if you, if I if I got a good party shirt, I'll wear that like once a fortnight for like three or four, like a little while, and then I'll get bored of it and I'll go back into the cupboard. <laughs> I love it. It's just your, your style. It's like everybody knows Eric Sardi, the party shirt guy. <laughs> oh, that's, like, like I've sort of said to a few people was, you know, I started wearing party shirts. I grew a mustache and I got a whole lot more gigs. <laughs> like, All right. That's the key, guys. No, that's yeah, the key. That's probably the other piece of advice I'd give. It worked like, for Dom Dollar. That, it's even like, you know, you just, it's good to have something which you can be identified by. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, have something that's identified like lockdown, wears a mask. You know, short round, he's short and... <laughs> He's he's like this short little Asian dude. He plays fucking massive tracks. Yeah, yeah, like, true. He's so easily identifiable, and then he's like a legend as well. Yeah. So you you find that thing about you, that niche. Yeah. Yeah, and people people will buy into it for sure. All right, two more questions, and I'm promised we're gonna get into the music. When is your remix of Relax Your Eyes coming out? You talked about it before, but that's what somebody wants to know. Oh man, I, I don't know because I'm too, I'm I'm too stressed about putting it on SoundCloud and getting a strike, and so look. <laughs> I'm actually not too sure. I'm 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 gonna hold on to it for a little bit longer. Try and get some promo out around it, um, and then try and w- work out some way to put it up. Whether it's you know putting thirty seconds of silence at the start of it, detuning it a little bit, filter it. Um, I know they're pretty good nowadays. They they pick up just about anything. So yeah, we'll right. see. I'm a bit nervous about it. <laughs> if I must say, yeah, actually, because you can lose your whole SoundCloud account. Yeah, hey? man, it's risky as hell. It is actually. Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to lose my SoundCloud account. Nah, no way. All right. Well, look, we'll get into the music, man. What should we expect to hear from your set? Um, I don't even know, man. I'm gonna play like heaps of stuff. I think I'm gonna play um some heavies, some housey tracks. Probably play some like some like D&B, some trap. <laughs> Shit, I play right, some, play some country, some jazz. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where we end up. How, right. how much time do I have to play? Uh, we got about half an hour, so just yeah, try yeah. and squeeze as many cheese as you can into halfy. I play like a, a hundred songs. <laughs> All right, please welcome Eric Sardi. Yes. 
up, then bill it. Get me a drop, I'll draw that bait. Tryna turn man off, bro, they on the mains. Do it and dash, don't leave no trace. Sitting corn in the ends, or we go up. If it ain't, if it ain't gang, I'll burn them bridges. Four racks, I'll risk it. Me plus hunch, that's violence. Sibling sliding, ride on the up, then bill it. Get me a drop, I'll draw that bait. Tryna turn man off, bro, they on the mains. Do it and dash, don't leave no trace. Sitting corn in the ends, or we go up. If it ain't, if it ain't gang, I'll burn them bridges. Four racks, I'll risk it. Me plus hunch, that's violence. Sibling sliding, ride on the up, then bill it. Get me a drop, I'll draw that bait. Tryna turn man off, bro, they on the mains. In the end, so we go up. If it ain't, if it ain't gang, I'll burn them bridges. Four racks, I'll risk it. Me plus hunch, that's violence. Sibling sliding, riding the off them billet. Get me a drop, I'll draw that bait. Tryna turn man off, bro, they on the mains. Do it and dash, don't leave no trace. In the end, so we go up. If it ain't, if it ain't gang, I'll burn them bridges. Four racks, I'll risk it. Me plus hunch, that's violence. Sibling sliding, riding the off them billet. Get me a drop, I'll draw that bait. Tryna turn man off, bro, they on the mains. Do it and dash, don't leave no trace. In corn in the end, so we go up. Trace it, corn.
Okay. 